Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today, uh, we're kicking off a brand new series called Disciple. And um, here's a definition I'm going to give you for what a disciple is. It's a very brief definition. You would understand this. It's a fully engaged and committed follower of Jesus Christ. Like I said, we were in India, and we got to sit in, in a little prayer uh, time with some, some newly found followers of Jesus Christ and how they are committing themselves fully to Christ. They're engaging in ministry. There was a young man by the name of Sohan that um, I remember eight years ago when I was in Calcutta, India. Um, he was this teenager that was just annoying, like he wasn't really in the faith. He wasn't really following Jesus. He was just annoying us, you know. And, and I got the privilege to sit there and watch him teach little kids about Jesus this time around. I mean, God is moving and is fully engaged. He's a, he's a fully engaged follower of Jesus Christ now. For Life Church, we've set this audacious goal over the next 24 months. We want to see 500 new, fully engaged, fully committed followers of Jesus Christ added to this body. I know it sounds like an astronomical number and it sounds kind of crazy. And let me define what I mean by that when I say, uh, you know, disciple, a fully engaged, fully committed follower of Christ. What I mean by that is we're looking to see 500 men, women, and children who will cross three different finish lines, who will come to faith in Jesus Christ and surrender their hearts to them and their lives to them, who will follow through in water baptism, and number three, who will join a serve team, will start serving, giving their life away to, for others. That's how we, there's a lot of other things that define a disciple, but those things I think are a great indicator that a person has made a commitment to Jesus and now is on this journey to becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And so our goal is to, to, for the next, in the next 24 months to see this happen. And so my prayer is for all of us in this room that we would take seriously the fact that every, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, every single one of us have been called to be a disciple. There's no such thing as I, I gave my life to Jesus, I made it to this point, now I just stay here. We are called to continually grow and become more and more like Christ. That's the invitation. And as you in this group, as we start doing that on a more consistent basis, we're, this, these 500, that'll happen easily. We'll see 500 new more added to it. So will you pray with me to that end? We'll talk more about this in a few, in a, in a few months. But um, in John 15, I'm gonna, we're starting this series. John 15, Jesus is with his disciples, and um, he's just left the upper room. They've had their last supper, their last meal together. They're walking away from this upper room that they were at. They're on their way towards the Garden of Gethsemane. They're passing by these vineyards that are, you know, in the garden. They're passing by, and, and, you know, Jesus knows that his time is short. He knows that he doesn't have a whole lot of time left. He knows that as he's walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, what's on his mind, maybe his disciples don't understand this, but what's on his mind that pretty soon he's going to be beaten, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be crucified. He knows that. And so he understands what's coming for him. He knows that he's going to die for the sins of humanity. He knows that. But he also knows what's coming for his disciples. 
He knows that his disciples are going to be charged with fulfilling the Great Commission and taking this good news of Jesus to the whole world. He knows that. He knows that in this task of taking this good news to the whole world, they're going to face incredible persecution. He knows that all of his disciples except one are going to die a martyr's death. He knows that there's going to be times of doubt and uncertainty. Like Jesus knows this stuff. And so as he's walking down this row of vineyards, maybe he's wondering, what should I say to them? How can I encourage them? How can I challenge them to to really have courage to step out and do what they've been called to do? He's probably pondering these things. I mean, these are are going to be his last words to his to his disciples. And so whatever Jesus says, said to them, I believe he's also trying to say to you and I here today. I hope that we hear not what Rich is preaching this morning, but we hear what Jesus is telling us this morning. Amen? Amen. Now, Jesus, he's like a master teacher. He often spoke, you know, the most, some of his most profound truths in, in what we call controlling metaphors. Like, you know, like you see it in the Gospels. He, Jesus, you are the light of the world. Okay, like you're not literally the light of the world, but when you are connected to Jesus Christ, when you have a relationship with him, when he has transformed your life and you used to be this and now you're this, you're shining brightly to those around you what it looks like to be in relationship with Christ. And so therefore, you are the light of the world. He says, you're the salt of the earth. He uses these little phrases that would allow them to better understand the kingdom of God and also to better understand themselves, who they are, and what they've been called to do. And so in this series, Disciple, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these metaphors that, we're, that, that are throughout the Gospels. We're going to take it straight, straight from the Gospels. That's going to help us understand who we are, okay, what the kingdom of God is all about, but who, who we are and what God has called us to do as well. And so in this passage that we just read, John 15, you know, Jesus is walking through the garden of Gethsemane. He sees these vineyards. And he says something to them. Now, here's the thing. Um, He gives them an identity statement. We'll get there in a second. But he gives them an identity statement. Like, he understands that to know what to do, like, he knows he's going to leave these disciples behind. He knows that they're going to be on their own will to to some extent because they're going to have the Holy Spirit with them. But he knows that they're not going to be walking in the flesh with him anymore. He knows this. And so he, what he wants to do is he wants to tell them who they are because he understands that if they know who they are, they will know what to do. And I think that's true for us as well. If we have a, a clear understanding of who we are in Christ, if we know who we are in Christ, then we understand what to do. It's a conviction that I have. Actually, I use this phrase many times in the past, that behavior flows out of identity. When I know who I am, then I know what to do. I know how to behave. Anytime we try to, to, you know, dictate behavior so that we get, get to a certain identity, it just never works. But when you know who you are in Christ, you know how to live, you know how to behave, right? And so Jesus, he's, he's going to give these disciples this identity statement. And here you find in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branch. So here's some identity words. Who, who is Jesus? He's the vine. You can say it out loud if you want, right? He's the vine. And who are we? 
We're branches, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Jesus wants us to know, and he wants his disciples to know, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And why does he want that to know? Because he knows that behavior, that behavior flows from identity. And so I guess in, in many ways, in John 15, I think what Jesus is trying to say to you and me is, be the branch. Stop trying to be the vine. Be the branch. Be the branch. See, the vine comes up from the ground, and the branch, as long as it stays connected to the vine... Okay, as long as it's connected to the vine, there's life there, there's nutrients there, there's, there's fruit there. But once it gets disconnected from the vine, it dies. It's useless, right? In fact, Jesus, in John 15, in John 15 he uses this word 11 times in 11 different verses. He uses the word remain. Remain in me, abide in me, stay connected to me. This is not a passive encouragement that Jesus is saying here. In fact, he says it so many times that we need to pay attention to what he's saying. What is he trying to say? What does it mean to stay connected to him, to remain in him? I feel like he says it so much in John 15 that I feel like what he's saying is that this is the, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the main thing. It's the main thing. Like we, as a church, we can get a lot of things right. But if we miss this one, we, it's just we get it all wrong. Stay connected to Jesus. This is who we are. Staying connected is what we do. It's interesting to me because Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, like he's pondering. He knows he's going to leave them. He knows he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to be leaving them. He doesn't, he's not thinking you know what, let me put this list together of things I want them to do. He doesn't say, here's a five-year plan for, for global church expansion. He gives them an identity word, right? He doesn't say, go do these things. Instead, and he does, he does encourage us to do, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But <clears throat> what he does is he gives them this metaphor. I am the vine, you're the branches, he knows that if they understand who they are, they will know what they have to do. And so in verse 5, he goes, you, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He's basically saying, stay connected to me. Often our temptation is that we, we just want to do something. And in fact, a lot of discipleship models are built around go do something. Go, go, just, you know, hey, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, now go do this and start tithing and start doing this and start attending that group and start going to that. Those are all good things, and yes, you should do all those things. But Jesus doesn't start there. Jesus starts with, who are you? Be somebody first. Be somebody first. That's where Jesus started. It never works to try to take our faith and reduce it down to a to-do list. Some of you know this because you grew up in church and it was like you had maybe no relationship with Jesus, but you were following all the rules. And even now, there might be even some people sitting in this room that, yeah, maybe at one point you had a relationship with Jesus, but you've, you've transitioned to basically just keeping all the rules and just doing it and doing it. And you're not really being the branch. You're just doing what branches are supposed to do. Jesus invites us to do more than that. I think sometimes what happens is we get this metaphor a little confused. We, 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 we start focusing on production rather than connection. 
And our emphasis is not production. You see, I, I firmly believe that connection always will lead to production, not the other way around. I went on sabbatical. Some of you know I went on sabbatical in 2022. And um, a lot of that had to do with just, I got the, I got the metaphors a little confused. Like I was trying to produce a whole lot. I was on a rhythm. I mean, that was my, that's my weekly rhythm. I've got a, you know, I, I'll, I'll leave here this morning, and today I'm going to head to Des Moines, but, but to, usually on Sunday night, I start looking at a sermon for the following week, and then Monday morning, that's what I do, and then I have meetings in the afternoon, and then Tuesday morning, that's what I do, and I have meetings in the afternoon again, then Wednesday we have prayer, and, then we have this, and there's this rhythm, this weekly rhythm that we start operating in, and that's fine. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But when you forget to, get, to stay connected to the vine and you think that as long as you're just producing, you're okay, something begins to die on the inside. It's impossible. It's impossible, impossible to produce without connection. I mean, life, you understand this. All of you know this, that life can sometimes be overwhelming. You can feel all kinds of pressure in life. In fact, I know that some of you in this room right now you feel overwhelmed by some of the challenges you have in your own life. For some of you, it's this recession thing that's going on, if we can call it that. <clears throat> All you know is that, the, that there is less disposable income than there used to be. And that's creating some anxiety and it's creating some stress and it's causing you to have to move some things around in your lifestyle, which is probably sometimes good. And you're feeling a little bit of anxiousness over this. You're feeling pressure over this. For others of you, it might be a relationship with a child, and you're just feeling kind of overwhelmed with this relationship. This, your child, they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're, not, they're not doing well. You feel a little bit anxious about that. You're constantly thinking, you're constantly downcast over where your child is. Or maybe they're just not talking to you at all and there's this rift in the relationship and you're feeling really stressed out about that. I know for me, this job, sometimes I, I find a lot of pressure, pressure of budgets, pressure of staffing. But actually, a lot of times the pressure I feel too is that I, I hear many people's stories in this community. And most of the stories are, most of the people that come talk to me, it's like, this is my biggest, this is my big problem I have which is fine. I, that's God's called me to be a pastor. But then I, I want to see God do something. I want to see that person find victory. I want to see that person actually overcome the challenges and the circumstances, and it's just not happening, and there's this anxiousness that begins to rise up. And you feel this pressure. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of pressure in life, and many of you understand what I'm talking about. But here's what I know. I feel that pressure most acutely when I stop being the branch. When I stop being connected to the vine is when I really feel the pressure in life. Right? And so the branch understands that, that really bearing fruit or seeing things happen in your life is really up to the vine. And when I put on myself, when I put on myself things that are not meant for me to do, like somehow no, I think I'm the vine, I'm gonna take care of business, I feel pressure. I feel stressed. In fact, I get worn out because I'm not called to be the vine. I'm called to be the branch. <clears throat> we confuse this metaphor often. 
And when we do that, a lot of problems can happen. One of them, for example, is pride, because I think sometimes, as Christians, we figure out how to jump through all the hoops. Like early on, it was just all about his grace and his love and his forgiveness, and you're just so in love with Jesus, and he has done so much in your life, and it's so amazing, and you're just, you're just like in this love relationship with him, but then it kind of normalizes, and now you kind of figured it all out, and now you know if you just raise your hand a certain way in, during worship, you know, I mean, people look at you like, oh, that's a spiritual worshiper over there, you know, and... If you, or if you increase your vocabulary while you're praying, man, people say, wow, he can really pray. We figure out how to do this on our own, and pride begins to set in. I remember a few years back, I was uh, talking with some pastors in our network, and we were talking about church planning and like strategies for church planning and that kind of stuff. And they asked me this question. They said, hey, Pastor Rich, um, how, what, 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 what strategies made... Life Church Successful. That was kind of the, the way they framed the question. And I remember, you know, I remember that, that very moment I was sitting there talk, talking to them and he said, what, you know, what strategies frame Life Church? Why, you know, how, how, why was Life Church so successful? And I began to think about the answer and I said, well, we, and when I said, well, we, as soon as I said, we, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, whoa, like a, like a two by four hit me on the back of the head, you know? And like the Holy, Spirit was saying, the Holy Spirit was saying, wait, 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 whoa, 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 wait a minute, Rich. What do you mean, we? <laughs> There's no we in this equation. Unless the Lord builds a house, the laborers labor in vain. There's no we in this equation. I'm the one who has done this. I was reminded very poignantly that I'm just a branch, I'm not the vine. <clears throat> and there's a lot of joy to be found in being the branch. Because God can do what we cannot. God can clean up the messes that we have made. He can fix the things that we have broken. When it seems impossible, God can always do what's impossible. There's a lot of joy to be found in just simply depending on the vine. Trusting the vine, right? We're not the vine. Jesus is the vine, and our job is just simply to stay connected to the vine. In verse, in verse 1, I like how Jesus kind of introduces this whole idea of, of him being the vine. He says, I am the true vine, he says. He uses the word true vine. I am the true vine. So the implication here is that there's imitation vines out there. Like there are other things that promise success or promise health or promise hope or promise peace or promise joy but they're just imitations. They're not the real thing. For some of you in this room, your spouse is the vine. And you, have, you, you, you expect your spouse to do for you what only God is supposed to do for you. And then when he or she cannot, because they can't, and you're like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you better? <laughs> Why can't you do better? There's a lot of imitation vines out there. Success can be an imitation vine. Wealth can be an imitation vine. Your job can be an imitation vine. Your income can be an imitation vine. Your sex life can be an imitation vine. In verse 7, Jesus says this, I've told you, I've told you so that my joy may be in you, 
Like, I am the true vine. He's talking about this, being the vine. I've told you, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I've told you, so that my joy may be in you. So that you understanding this idea that you're not the vine, that you're the branch, and that you're staying connected to the vine, that if you're connected to the vine, you will have joy. My joy will be in you, and that your joy will be complete. In other words, you will not need anything else. You will be satisfied. Years ago, um, our family, we, we, we would buy turkey bacon. I originally started the idea because I thought, you know, got to lose some weight, not eat so much fat, and so we'd buy turkey bacon. And, uh, and honestly, it does sound like an abomination to say turkey and bacon in the same <laughs> phrase, but it's, it is. I mean, it just, it just doesn't go together. It's kind of like saying, hey, have some broccoli donuts. You know, I'm like, nobody wants broccoli donuts, Right? So as a family, for a while there, we would eat this turkey bacon, you know. We even called it bacon. Hey, let's have some bacon for dinner, you know. We'd fry up some turkey bacon, you know. And then, as a family, we moved to Iowa, like the pig capital of the world, you know. And I had some real bacon in Iowa. Not that there wasn't bacon in Louisiana where we were, but it was just not Iowa bacon. <laughs> but I had some real bacon and you know what I have to say? My joy is complete now. I mean, like what Jesus talked about 15. No, just kidding. <clears throat> Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. There are imitation vines out there that are going to, that, that, that may, they may work for a while. They might even look attractive to you. They might even feel like the right thing to do, like, you know, the, your, your income potential and all those things I like feel attractive. I'm not saying don't do that, but just know that that's not where your joy comes from. That's not where your joy comes from. In, ver- in verse 6, Jesus says this, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Jesus is being pretty harsh here. He's being pretty direct. He says, anyone who does not remain in me, so those of us who do not remain in Christ, we're like a useless branch that's only good to be thrown out. You know what you call a branch that is not connected to the vine? A stick. That's what it is. It's a stick. My grandkids, they like to go walking, and one of them sitting right there, and they like to walk, and they like to find sticks, and then they bring them home, you know? And it's, they love that. They just find these sticks, and they bring them home, and, and, and guess where those sticks end up? They end up collected in my garage. And sometimes Christy will say, don't, don't throw that out. Finn found that. Or don't throw that one out. That's Parker's stick. But it's just a stick. Like there's tens of thousands more sticks. Just wait till, wait till next fall. You know, there's going to be tons and tons of sticks out there. Or next spring, I'm sorry. Tons and tons of sticks to find. <clears throat> I mean, how compelling would this sermon be today if I said, hey, just be the stick? It just doesn't. It doesn't ring right. It doesn't sound right. See, the difference between a branch and a stick is that a branch has the potential of bearing fruit. A stick does not. A branch actually, something comes out of it. There's life that comes into it and goes out of it, but a stick does not. 
And yet I think sometimes we satisfy ourselves with being a stick. We mask ourselves as a branch. We tape a little bit of, you know, fake fruit to it. From a distance, it looks good. And we feel like we've got, you know, we feel good about it. But at the end of the day, we're just a stick. Listen, we don't want to be a church of sticks. I know, this is going to... Ben, you can't use this one <laughs> for social media. <laughs> now he's definitely not going to use it because I just said that. Um, what does a stick church look like? Here's, what, here's a couple ideas, a couple thoughts. But a stick church is where everybody on the outside looks right and looks good and put together, but on the inside they're empty and they're longing for more. A stick church... <clears throat> might be known for its great facilities and have great productions, but it's not known for being a loving community. A stick church is one that draws a big crowd and it's full, but the number of committed followers is minimal. A stick church chooses to sow sparingly rather than living out some radical generosity. Listen, I don't want us to be that kind of church. We're not that kind of church. I know we aren't because I see it in you. I see what God is doing through you and what God is doing in you. We want to be that church that's alive because they're connected to the vine. Well, what does that look like as a church? How do we know that we're being the branch? Well, first, it starts with the right identity. It starts with the right identity. It's recognizing that, that you're not the vine. You're the branch. You're not the vine. And here's why I say that, because too often you're saying, Rich, I'm kind of lost on the metaphors that you're using. Let me explain what I'm saying. What I'm trying to say is too often we face challenges in life. There's dysfunctions in our marriage. There's, you know, addiction problems that we have or whatever. There's these things that happen in our life. And our first go-to move is, how can I fix this myself? What can I do with my own strength and my own power and my own ability to fix this myself? And so we try, and we try, and we do this, and we go to these kind of, and I'm not saying counseling is wrong. I'm not, please don't hear me say that. But we try a lot of things, counselors and everything else out there. And then at the end of the day, we don't see the fruit that we want to see. This is why Jesus uses this identity statement at the very beginning of this passage. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. The very nature of a branch is that it does not try to bear fruit. It just bears fruit. It doesn't work hard. There's no, there's no apple tree out there with a branch sticking out of the branch. Like, please, please grow an apple. If it's connected to the apple tree, it's going to bring fruit. And so maybe to be the branch, you need to pause and say to yourself, Jesus, I need your help. (laughs) To be a fully devoted follower of Christ, that's really where it starts. It's recognizing that I'm not the vine. It's recognizing that I don't have the strength within myself to change my life, that I actually need something bigger than myself. I need to be connected to the vine. I need its nutrients to start flowing through me. I I need its power. I need its strength. I cannot do this on my own. I need, I need Jesus to, to bring about the change in my life. 
I need Jesus to bring about change in my marriage. Maybe you're saying here, my marriage today is broken. Surrender it to Christ. Surrender it to Christ. Surrender your, your, your attempts to Christ. Just know who you are and live out of who you are. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction that you're saying it's just too strong. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried. It's just not been broken. Know who you are. <clears throat> a church that is a branch also is a church that, that exercises big faith because it understands that the vine has unlimited resources. There's a phrase that we use around here all the time. Um, I say it all the time at least. Uh, Go after something so big that it's destined to fail unless God intervenes. And we've used that. It's been, it's been basically live church for the last 18 years. And what I'm saying, this, like that statement is a branch, be the branch kind of statement. It's this idea that we recognize that we in ourselves, we don't have the ability to make these things happen, that we really need God to intervene. We need God to, make the, to cause these things to happen. We've experienced that over the last 18 years here at Life Church. I mean, we still have a ways to go, but the life change that we've experienced here in the, in, in our, in, in our, in the rec center and then in the North Liberty building and now in this building and now in Cedar Rapids and in, in Wilton is miraculous. It's God moving and God stirring people's lives. It's God doing the work. Like that conversation I had with that pastor when I said, we did this. No, Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 we didn't do this. I have done this. And it's recognizing, a disciple of Christ recognizes that it's God who has the unlimited resources to do exceedingly abundant above all that you could ever think or ask. But you trust him for that, all right? <clears throat> this is why at the very beginning I said we're, gonna, we're believing God for, for, for 500 New, fully devoted, fully committed, and engaged followers of Jesus Christ in the next couple of years. It's not because, hey, it's January, we need to come up with a big goal. That's, you know, that's not why. It's because we're the branch. And that's what a branch does. A branch bears fruit. Are you hearing me? A branch bears fruit. If it's connected to the vine, it bears fruit. Life church must bear fruit. Let me, let me be a little bit more direct about what I'm just saying. Look, if life church stops growing, we need to close its doors. Because the branch bears fruit. It bears fruit. So the question I'm asking you is, will you join me in, in being the branch? Let's all stand. <clears throat> um, I know that I've probably, some of you are like, Rich, just be direct. Stop using branch and vines and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is that we are all, everyone in this room right now, we're all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. My challenge to some of you who have been in the faith for a while is, if you've managed to learn how to coast in your faith, coast in your relationship with Christ, you do all the right things, you don't have any big sins that you do that would 
that would, you know, make you disqualified from being a follower of Christ? I would challenge you about your connection with, with the vine. You should be bearing fruit. All of us. I also want to challenge us in this room, if there's some of you who have this idea, if your idea is, I'm just going to be the stick. <laughs> like, I don't want people to know what's going on inside of me. I'm just going to come and do the routine of being in church and, you know, I check the box, I'm here, I do the right thing every once in a while, but I'm not really going to, you know, internally I'm not alive. Can I encourage you to be connected to the vine? Jesus Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you. He wants to fill your life with his peace and with his joy. He wants to do that for you. So it's just a matter of saying, okay, Lord, I surrender. In fact, I think that's really the prayer for all of us here this morning is, Lord, I surrender. Kind of figured out how to for those of us who have kind of figured out how to be the Christian, Lord, I surrender my attempts, my ways. I just want to, I just want to be connected to you. I want your life to be flowing through me. I know my story. I look back at my own story. I remember. I didn't know a lot of the Bible. I didn't know a lot of things, but I knew that his life was flowing through me. I knew it. I want that for all of us. I want that for all of us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us as we uh, end in worship. <clears throat> Jesus, we want to thank you first and foremost for all that you have done. The fact that you went to the cross, you gave your life, and you've called us, Lord, to not just simply, not just simply, uh, go to church or you know give money in an offering you've called us to be your disciples you've called us to be branches that are connected to the vine and so Jesus will you uh, will you speak to us this morning for those of us that have been in the faith for some time will you speak to us that renew our hearts Lord God restore us Father just bring revival fire to our hearts so that we're back where you are flowing through us and using us and speaking to us and bearing fruit through our lives. And for my friends in this room, Lord God, who maybe have never committed their life to you, Jesus, who are maybe uh, just wondering, you know, there's trouble, there's difficulty in their life, and they're just wondering, should they, can they? Lord, will you convince them that you are trustworthy, that they can surrender, surrender their hearts to you, and that you will treat their hearts with care, love, and concern. That you'll offer them new life, abundant life. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. We ask, God, that you will just move in us. May this be a church of branches that are bearing fruit. In Jesus' name.